0: at you on a Thursday evening, the season is over. I didn't want it to be true. I didn't want my sons and five pick to actually be correct. But unfortunately, that's the way it played out. And it's time for the offseason. But before we get there, gotta look back at game five, the season that was, and then chat a little bit about the press conference that happened earlier today with Lawrence Frank and some of the takeaways that we heard and that we is going to be me and my co-host Matt Matt O'Warren, back with me here on the ethos clippers podcast Matt how are you my friend
1: sports ethos clipper nation Brandon Marcus how the heck are you I'm doing well considering you know it is the off season now officially Um I was hoping that my prediction would be correct clippers in, we think six or seven whatever I said Unfortunately, they lost in five, as we all know. So let's not waste any more time. Let's chat about it.
0: Let us chat about it. Um, It is not exactly what we wanted to see happen. We didn't want the Clippers to lose in the first place. Um, But there really is something poetic about the way the season ended and for the Clippers to once again give us hope by winning game one on the road. Um, a series that I didn't think they would have much of a chance with no Paul George. They go and they win game one, and then they go and they lose the next four games. And not only do they lose the next four games, they lose Kawhi Leonard to what we now know as more of a serious injury than a sprained knee. Um, So there's a meniscus tear, and that could be a, I believe, a six-week injury, a three-month injury. It just depends on rehab and if he needs surgery. But Lawrence Frank said today they expect to see him ready for the regular season. Um, I'll believe that when I see it. Um, the way things have gone with him, but it was really poetic that the Clippers give us a shot, give us a chance. They they tug us back in right when we think that they're gonna lose, and they get that one nothing series. and end up losing, and, and that's kind of a microcosm of the way the season has gone, Matt. Where there have been so many times this year where you and I have just been like, "This is ridiculous." I mean, I mean, this team cannot put it together. They have no chance to be a contender. And then they'll go rattle off like a huge win, and we'll be like, "Yeah, see, that's that's all they need to do. Like they've got the talent there. It's clearly like in their lockers to bring this out, and they can win against anybody. But then they lose in five. Um, sad to see it go down like this. But uh, do you uh, do you agree with the fact that it's poetic in the way that it went down, just teasing us all the way until the end?"
1: Absolutely, it's it's the it's the pit and the pendulum of the of the Clippers. It's we're always just laying there, thinking that something great is about to happen. When all the while, Clippers history, Clippers injury, Clippers secrecy is just hanging right above us, just ready to fall down and slices in half like it did again this season. Um, although I think in the pit and the pendulum, he actually got away. But you get my point. That it is. It's the Charlie Brown football analogy. A meme. We always get so close. We have hope. They won the first game. Nobody was expecting that. And after that happened, Kawhi looked like the best player on the planet. We were thinking, okay, okay, maybe we can do this. Maybe we can eke out uh, seven games against the Suns, get Paul George back, make a real run at it. But no. No, the Clippers had to lose the next four in a row while having double-digit leads in every single one of those games, I think, Mm -hmm. only to lose... The series as you predicted again in five so it was just a microcosm like you said of the season a little little poetic win the first game hope 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 nope nope nope
0: um i, I do want to chat a tiny bit about game five i mean there's really no point in trying to break down the game because frankly we're now a couple days out since the game ended on tuesday and we are now two days past tuesday and now we're basically moving on but um I do want to bring up the fact that this team, um, going with the theme of them teasing us until the end, they really did tease us until the end where they came back from what looked like an insurmountable deficit at the end of the game and got three-pointer after three-pointer after three-pointer to pull within one possession. But they just could not get over the hump. Silly turnovers – um, just a missed layup by Russell Westbrook, which is poetic in of itself that we were against Russell Westbrook in the trade because we were worried about those types of things. He was obviously fantastic during this playoff run and the Clippers would be screwed without him because of the injuries to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. But he ends up going three of 18 in the final game, which is not what you want to see. Um, of course he shot terribly in that first game as well and they won, but five turnovers, three of 18 say what you will about what he did the rest of the series, but that that's not going to cut it in the final game. And it's just one of those things where the Clippers really did um, on a positive note, they fought until the end. And I want to give credit to this team because we've seen some teams that have been really difficult to root for um, over the last couple of years, some players that have, have come out though, and really tried and worked their asses off. And that happened in this game. And you look at the bench and, what Terrence Mann contributed in the end and what Nico Batum was able to do with a couple of clutch threes. Um, So I do want to give credit to this team that they truly did fight until the end, Matt.
1: Norm Powell coming out looking awesome. Uh, Plumlee playing his ass off as always and was actually quite effective in that game with a double-double. EG left a little bit to be desired, but like you said, they just came out and they played hard. They played with energy and spirit like they had all... All series long. And it's a credit to the guys. It's a credit to their spirit. Um, so, yeah, you can't take that away. And I, I was sad, obviously, when the game and, and the season was over. But, but I I did have some comfort. I did take some comfort, I should say, in the way that they played, in the effort that, that the team gave um, all the guys up and down the line. Happy to see that. 27 minutes out of Terrence Mann, I still think we could have seen more. But there's really no need to nitpick on that game because it's over and like you said we're we're moving on but credit credit to the guys credit to the Clippers in that last game and in the series as a whole with and without Kawhi Leonard just absolutely giving the Suns all they wanted and having a chance to win each and every one of those games so it, it was great to watch it was awesome I was sad but I did feel a sense of pride in being a fan of the team just playing so hard and not giving up until the bitter end
0: yeah I mean look at the first half of that game five and I think the Clippers only had four turnovers they were great on the offensive glass they had a bunch of second chance points and their bench was great and it really was the recipe for success and then I mean you look at the end of the game and obviously the Clippers had their chance to come back and win and I I mentioned that Westbrook missed layup down two that was tough then Batum missed a three down two and Norm Powell turned it over when they are down by two. So um, it, it's it's tough when you have a chance to win a game like that when, frankly, you had no business winning when you were down by so much um, in the second half. But for them to be that close and to tease us truly until the very end where they could have won that game and then obviously come back home and then who knows what happens. Um, but it's, it's tough because you look at how close they were and in game two – it was a six-point game. These stats are according to Justin Russo at Fly By Night. Six-point game with 3.10 to go. Game three was a three-point game with 130 to go. Game four was a four-point game with 5.20 to go. Game five was a two-point game with 130 to go. So the Clippers were in it truly in every single game. And like you said, the double-digit leads that they had in almost every single game, I think – I know they had an eight-point lead. I feel like it was in game four – I'm not sure if they got the double digits. They probably did, um, but they just could not hold on to those leads, and you can't hold on to those leads when you don't have a guy like Paul George on the floor to help you when Kawhi Leonard is sitting, and then when you don't have Kawhi Leonard at all after the first two games, it's even harder to hold on to a lead like that. So um, you got to give credit to this team. They fought, and I- I'm pleased to see them go down fighting, but it doesn't make it any less shittier that the Clippers truly had a chance to win in every single game. And and you, you look back and you just wonder, what if? What if Kawhi and PG were healthy? If Kawhi was able to stay healthy, were the Clippers going to fight and actually possibly pull off the upset? If PG was healthy and Kawhi was healthy, you would think that the Clippers probably would have won that series the way the Suns were playing. I mean, I don't think the Suns are that great. I just think that they're still trying to figure themselves out. And it kind of feels like a team where, It's a your turn, my turn type of thing. And Devin Booker was unbelievable. And you and I talked about it before the series that you have Booker and then you really need Paul George to help out. And there was no Paul George. And so Booker was able to go nuts when you look at the other matchups with CP3 versus Westbrook, Aiton versus Zoo, and then Durant versus Kawhi. And it kind of left Booker as the one man. And he went nuts. So credit to Book because the Clippers had no answer for him, man.
1: Yeah, Booker stepped up in a big, bad way. And you do think about Paul George and Kawhi, if both were healthy, I don't think there's any question that the Clippers would have a great, 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 great great chance of winning that series. And I think personally they would have. And even if just Kawhi had stayed healthy with the way that he was going in Game 1 and 2 and the way that we pushed the Suns uh, throughout the series, I think the, the Clippers, yeah, could have and maybe would have won that series. But, you know, I was reading uh, in the L.A. Times – Bill Plaschke had a a kind of a scathing article about the end of the Clippers season. He said, Ty Lue asked the question, uh, you know, it's always in the back of your mind. What if Plaschke said we should be asking what now instead of what if? So Mm -hmm. that might be a segue into what what are we thinking moving forward with this team? And you can reference a bunch of press conferences and all kind of stuff that went on today.
0: Yeah. And let's do that. Let's talk about what we're looking at going forward. And I thought the most telling thing that we heard today from Lawrence Frank was that the Clippers need to take the regular season more seriously next Mm -hmm. year and that's something that you and I talked about pod after pod after pod and how it just seemed like this team was not serious in the way they're going about their game to game actions and whether it was Kawhi and PG sitting whether it was Kawhi coming in in the second half or the second quarter um initially whether it was um, Terrence Mann being yo yoed in the rotation, out of the rotation, whether it Robert Covington sitting on the bench and just not playing when he really should have. It, it just felt like the Clippers just were not valuing the regular season and they used it more as a test trial for the postseason and didn't care about the wins and losses. And because of that, the Clippers ended up getting that five seed and had to play against Phoenix. And they just did not get the wins they needed to A, get home court advantage, and B, to get out of that 4-5 matchup. And then you, you look at the regular season, and these guys didn't have enough time to play together. The Clippers were rolling out lineups time after time that had not been used. And Terrence Mann went from being the point guard and the Clippers ended the season or the the first half before the All-Star break in a very positive way to them being thrown to the bench when Russell Westbrook was integrated. There was just too much in and out, in and out for so many different players and no continuity. It really seemed like the Clippers were using this as a trial for the postseason and they just did not care about wins and losses, it seemed, enough. And that was certainly frustrating, and I'm glad to see Lawrence Frank acknowledge it. But at the same time, I feel like I heard the same thing last year, and it didn't end up coming to fruition this year. So I'm curious if we actually see that the regular season is valued because Lawrence Frank made the point that the NBA Finals winner usually comes from a seed of one, two, or three, and the Clippers continue to screw themselves over by not winning those games in regular season. But I don't know. Uh, What are your thoughts on that statement by Lawrence Frank?
1: I mean, I agree with the statement. Obviously, you and I talk about that all the time that you have to take those games seriously. But I don't know; it it, it reads kind of empty to me. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's not like he just got the stat. Yeah. That the last twenty in the last twenty eight years, the, cha- the champion has come from the top three seed. So he didn't just learn that. He didn't just come to this uh, revelation. You know, this like come to Jesus moment. Oh, maybe we should compete harder every single night. He said we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to our fans. He didn't owe it to us this season. So. It, i i get it and i agree with it and i hope that it's actually something that's put into action but i can't i can't take it seriously until i see it
0: yeah i agree i, I think it's it's nice that it's acknowledged but at the same time like i'll believe it when i see it like i'll believe Kawhi is going to be regular for the ready for the regular season when i see it i mean the, the, these guys um can't stay healthy and it, it's with Kawhi leonard um, you really do wonder if he's ever going to be healthy for a season. Like he is going to be load managed. It feels like for the rest of his career, like I don't think he's going to play more than 60 to 65 games at all in any regular season going forward. And that's really concerning. Mountains. Yeah. It's really concerning, man, that you have a guy that just isn't available. And so we talk about taking the regular season seriously how do you take the regular season seriously when your best players only going to be playing 60 to 65 games a, a year? Like how do you take the regular season seriously with that? Um, and, and you know, Paul George yeah, is going those to miss those games. Two too. Run
1: diametrically opposed to each other. Sorry to interrupt, but that's, yeah, yeah. you're right. I, how can you take it seriously when you can't have like your generational player on the court? Sorry to interrupt, but no, no, totally no, right. no, you're, you're absolutely right. On I'm,
0: that. I'm glad you did interrupt because it, you're right. And, and it really is one of those things where you know Paul George isn't going to stay healthy. You know that he's going to be load-managed a little bit. So how do you take the regular season seriously when you know that you're going to have probably, and this is a rough estimate, obviously no idea if this is going to be the actual case, 15 to 20 games a year where you're not going to have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Like and there are times where there's going to be only one of them. It's going to be times where it's going to be both of them. And it's going to be times where there's none of them just because they always get injured. Like... How do you take the regular season seriously? How do you continue to try and win games against good teams when your roster is flawed outside of those two players? Like you, as good as the depth is, like that's not a lineup that you want to trot out night tonight tonight. The one that we saw in Game Five, like that's not a lineup that you want to see night tonight tonight. And so, it, it sure they can try and value the po- uh, the regular season, but in order to value the regular season, that means your stars have to play, and I just don't think that's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, to to your point, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have played less than 40% of the possible regular season games that they could have played together up until this point. Yeah. And now they're both injured to end this season. Uh, how can we expect that percentage to go up at all when they're they're both ending the season with knee injuries and they're going to be load managed? We know this. And so you can take the regular season as seriously as you want, but without the Stars, I mean... I can take it as seriously as you took the the three games that Kawhi missed in this Phoenix Sun series, in which case, then, yeah, that's taking it pretty seriously. But like I said, we're just going to have to we're just going to have to wait and see. It's it's going to be a tricky situation. And I I really hope, like like I said, like we're saying, I hope that it's the words ring tr- or come come true. But eh, I don't know. I have to see it. It's hard to it's hard to imagine. I mean, less than 40 percent of the games. Tomero's earlier, our good friend. He put out the totals, or I saw him tweet the totals of the games that Kawhi and Paul George have played together. He included the postseason, but it's 50 games including the postseason. 54-0 when Kawhi missed the entire season, and 38 this this year. Some of those are 72 game seasons, but still, that's that's a really tough it's a really tough road to hoe. And then, you know, Lawrence Frank went on to say, we're going to the Clippers are going to continue to build around their two stars, Kawhi and Paul George. With Paul George even having, he's he's eligible for an extension I think in September. So it's, it, it's going to get real tricky moving forward.
0: Yeah, it's going to be very difficult. And once again, the Clippers have to try and mess around the margins and hope that it works. And I don't know if they're going to try and pull off a trade. I think they've got a couple of draft picks that they can deal. Um, and they have certainly got contracts, guys like Morris and Covington and Powell, that you could possibly deal. Um, I mean, you look at the roster, and I think it's worth mentioning some of this stuff in terms of where the Clippers Look right now. Nico Batum is an unrestricted free agent in 2024. Robert Covington, unrestricted free agent in 2024. Eric Gordon, unrestricted free agent in 2024. Marcus Morris, unrestricted free agent in 2024. Um, Zoo, an unrestricted free agent in 2025. Norm Powell, unrestricted free agent in 2026. And then of course, you've got the player option for both Kawhi and PG in 2024. And then they're unrestricted free agents in 2025. Um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff there that's unrestricted free agents and the Clippers trying to retain their own guys. And then, of course, the one guy I didn't mention is Russell Westbrook. And he's an unrestricted free agent this year, along with Mason Plumlee, who the Clippers acquired in a trade. And the Clippers mentioned they want to retain both those guys. But I don't know if that's possible. Um, So I think let's talk about Russ first before we get to the rest of the roster. And here's the big question. Um, Do you bring back Russell Westbrook? Because, first of all, would you bring him back? Second of all, do you think it's viable? And I'll answer that question first. I don't think so because I don't think the Clippers are going to pay him what he is going to ask for. Um, the question is how many teams would pay him what he's going to ask for? Um, I don't know. But the Clippers are not going to be able to offer him very much money. And the question is, does he want to get the bag or does he want to try and win and compete for a title and be with his buddy and and be happy on a team as opposed to being the scapegoat. So th- that's the part that I'll be curious to see what he does. But the main question is, would you bring him back?
1: I guess in the spirit of team building and team morale, yes, I would bring Russell Westbrook back. I didn't think I would say that, but if I'm really thinking about it, it but it's going to be hard because he will have to sacrifice so much to stay with this team not only financially but in his role because if the stars are healthy i mean when they're load managed then maybe he'll get the keys like he did in the playoffs it's going to be really hard to bring Russell Westbrook back i i, I think in an ideal world, world i'd like to but i i like you said i don't i don't see that it's viable just financially and then f- from a role standpoint i mean he's really going to have to buy in and you know we're assuming that Tylooz back is coach so maybe he bought into Tylooz system in the first place so he'll do it again you have to assume a lot for Russell Westbrook to be back. So I think I'd actually kind of like to bring him back. I, I just loved what he did in the playoffs. And really since when, since he got traded to the, the uh, or it was picked up by the clips, not traded, picked up by the clips, but so short answer. Yes, I guess I'd like to bring him back, but to your second point, no, I don't think it's viable. So here's
0: where I'm at with Ross. Um, we don't really know if he works with Kawhi and PG. Like, that's the one thing we don't really know, and I don't know if I want to find that out, um, but here's the other part of it, and the part where I think I kind of am more aligned with right now, and that is I would bring him back, and the reason why I would bring him back is because if you want to take the regular season seriously, and you know Kawhi and PG are going to miss games... You need someone that's able to take over on a night-to-night basis when those two guys are out. And I don't think the Clippers have that on their roster outside of Westbrook. Like I don't think Norm Powell can be that guy night-to-night-to-night. I know he had a couple of good games in this postseason, but Westbrook was alongside him during those. I just don't think they have the other guys that can really be that alpha dog um, when you have Kawhi and PG sitting. And knowing what we know about Kawhi and PG and their inability to stay healthy, I want someone that has that availability. And that's the reason why I was so happy with Eric Bledsoe when he was on the Clippers at one point um, instead of Patrick Beverly, is that Pat Bev could not stay healthy. And that was a detriment to the Clippers. And I think with Russell Westbrook, you have a guy that can stay healthy, that wants to play, that can be that alpha male on the floor and take over. And so that's why I think I do align with the side of bringing him back I just don't think it'll be feasible based on money. But if it works out financially, I think I would welcome him back. And if it doesn't work with Kawhi and PG, then you do have the ability to either A, bring him off the bench, or B, trade him or waive him because his contract is not going to be um, what it is, what it was. I mean, he was getting an obscene amount of money that he's not going to get that now. So that's where I think I line up now is that I would bring him back because I just don't trust the health of the other two guys and the Clippers need someone that's going to help them win games in the regular season. I think Russ can be that guy.
1: He can. And the thing about him coming in and, and giving it his all in the regular season and taking the regular season seriously, I do agree with that. But I'm also looking a little bit on just on just a counterpoint. I'm looking at the development of man and bones. And if we want something somebody, somebody like those two guys, because I like when they ran the point. I liked when T-Man was was running the point for a little while. I like what Bones showed and I like for him to continue to grow. So I just hope bringing Russ in and giving him the keys to to the car when when Paul and Kawhi are resting won't stunt their growth, their desire to play on the team and I, I just could see it being a little detrimental in that regard. And like you said, we it's not really proven whether he can play uh, with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So minutes we, we'd we be having a lot of the same discussions about Russ. I think that we had during the regular season, which is minutes cap. This is what we want to see out of, out of Russell Westbrook. We want to see the rest of the minutes go to a team and a little bit more, maybe to a bones after he's proven himself uh, in the playoffs and towards the end of the season. So I, at the end of the day, it it, is, it would be nice to have Russell back if it's financially feasible because you do def- definitely we you don't want to give Russ the bag because that really, really hamstrings you. Um, you essentially have to trade another contract in order to be able to make any moves at that point. You kinda of have to do that now. So financially, if it if it works out financially, it'd be nice to bring Russ back. But I would say that with the caveat of I don't want I would hate for it to hamper any further T Man or even to a lesser extent, Bones.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And uh, one that I made earlier when I was talking to somebody on Twitter is that I'm okay with them bringing back Bones and Mann as the two guards. Or two point guards, rather. Because Man, like I said earlier, it worked out pretty decent before the All-Star break that he was able to run the point um, and take that load off of Paul George um, because PG didn't want to play point guard. And then Bones showed something in, in his time with the Clippers. And he showed the ability to really be exciting and bring that energy. Am I do I think he's ready to be the starting point guard? No, I don't think so. Um, does he have the ability at some point? Absolutely. Um could he be the starting point guard with a, a, a full offseason with the Clippers? Sure, it's possible. Um but I mean you gotta remember there's a reason Denver got rid of him and he did show some things night to night that he was a little up and down. And he showed he had his moments, no doubt about it. He was able to get to the hoop but he could be a little erratic, and um, I just don't know if he's ready to be the starting point guard. But like you said, I'd be willing to see if Man and Bones can be those two guys, and that's why I'd be okay if they don't keep Russell Westbrook. But I do think that bringing Russell Westbrook could help, because if you do value the regular season, and that's going to be the the theme of this podcast, can you really win a bunch of regular season games, Matt, if PG and Kawhi are out, and you're starting, and you're bringing out a lineup there of Powell? Bones Highland, Terrence Mann, Marcus Morris, and Zoo. Like, how many games is that realistically going to win? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I don't want to I don't want to say anything too inflammatory here, but I was just thinking about it. If you really, and if you really value the regular season, well, then you'd probably trade one of Kawhi and Paul George, to be perfectly honest with you, which I would hate to do. I mean, it, it, it hurts me to say it, but if you're really valuing the regular season and those guys aren't going to play for much of it, especially mm-hmm. Kawhi with another... Knee injury, and you know, load management is going to be intense next year. That might be a sign of taking the regular season seriously, but perhaps I'm getting ahead of ourselves in saying that. But um, yeah, uh, I think something thought that came into my mind.
0: I think something big is going to happen. I, I don't think you can go about this off season and have it really be the fine tuning with a small piece here and a small piece there. I know I mentioned earlier you just got to work around the edges because that's all you can do, but. Uh, I think you have to make a trade. I think you have to do something. And whether that's trading one of Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, which, by the way, is very unrealistic because of two reasons. Number one is that you're not going to probably get a proper return on them. And number two, it's not often that you get two guys like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And they are two stars in this game. And when you have two stars, you just have to keep running it back year after year and hope that those guys can stay healthy. And health is obviously a big factor that any team can deal with. But if those two guys are healthy, then you really can think that the Clippers have a chance. But that's the issue is the Clippers have shown that they can't stay healthy. I mean, those two guys have shown they can't stay healthy on the Clippers. And so that's the problem. But you think you just have to keep running it back. Like, you made your bet at this point. You made that SGA trade with all those picks and trading away SGA. Like, now you have to run it back year after year and hope that it works out.
1: And there are also two guys that chose the Clippers, right? And that that does go a long way with... Clippers fans, uh, Clipper Nation, because we know that uh, the little brother team has not not always been the destination spot. So it would be it would be quite the blow um, to trade those guys. And you're right, there's no way you're getting fair value, especially for Kawhi Leonard. Not a chance in the world. You're going to get fair value mm-hmm. for Kawhi, Paul George. Yeah, I don't think I don't really think you get fair value either. I mean, I can't even think. What are you going to do? Trade him to like Cleveland for? Jared Allen and draft picks or something like that. Like, no, that's not going to happen. So wh- while that, I don't think that, um, that option would be completely off the table for Clippers management. I think it's pretty much off the table. Just logistically, just doesn't seem like it would work out. And it'd, it'd be kind of a hard look or a rough look. Anyway, it'd be, uh, it'd be, uh, showing Blake, his Jersey and the Raptors and then sending him to the Pistons, but maybe a little worse. Yeah.
0: And you look at the guys and I mentioned earlier, the unrestricted free agents in 2024, it's like Batum, and Covington and Gordon and Marcus Morris, like all expiring contracts, like the, those are the guys you want to trade during this offseason and you want to see what, mm-hmm. wh- what can happen. And uh, by dealing guys like that and seeing where it gets you. Um, now, the question is, who would take that and actually give you a piece that you need? It's a different story, um, but that would require probably sending a draft pick along with who knows what else. And the Clippers all have all these draft picks um, that they're swapping as well. So who knows? It's going to take something special to try and pull this off and bring someone in that works. But we do know that Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nicholas Batum, like all those guys together don't work. Like someone needs to go. And it kind of feels like Robert Covington could be that man out with the way he was treated this year with playing time. Um, but. We'll see what happens. And by the way, Terrence Mann is an unrestricted. <clears throat> sorry, Terrence Mann is an unrestricted free agent in twenty twenty five. Also, so a lot of this roster really only has a couple of years left um, together. And so you really gotta you gotta win now, man. And we'll see what the Clippers are able to do. But they gotta do something.
1: They must. I mean, so Covington makes. Let's see, eleven and a half million. Marcus Morris is at just over seventeen million. So you could package those. Uh, I, even though Batum, he was good in that last game, but he really didn't show much during the playoffs. I'd I'd want to hold on to Batum. Uh, you mentioned Eric Gordon, and so his his contract is non guaranteed. That's right. Uh,
0: not entirely. His full contract. Is yeah, 29? not entirely sure. It's uh, uh it's, I'm not sure the exact uh, numbers. But I know it's. I think it's an unrestricted free agent in 2024.
1: In 2024, but I think his 2023-24 contract is non guaranteed. Mm. Uh, I don't know how much of it is, so I, uh, I don't know what exactly what kind of cap hit that's going to be. But I do look at senior, as I mean, time after time after time, seniors the most likely to be traded. But I look at Marcus Morris and yeah, Robert Covington, just from a not not getting not getting playing time standpoint, uh, not a uh, non-performance from in far, as far as senior standpoint, and both expiring contracts, both wings that can shoot, allegedly. Uh, I think they would be, that the first two headlining any sort of deal that the Clippers want to make now. Do the Clippers want to make that deal earlier rather than later? I think so because you remember what happened last time. You and I kept saying, if if you wait too long, then you have to have the new guys gel. These these two would be unhappy anyway. So I wonder when, when these will start. You know these deals will start happening. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking earlier rather than later is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah. And so the Clippers in terms of bones Highland too, they've got next year, he's on the books for 2.3 year after as a team option. The year after that as a qualifying offer. Um, and then with Eric Gordon, I'm going to pull up his numbers as well um, to see what his contract looks like. So he signed a four year, $75 million contract with the Rockets in 2019. Um, and so this year, it looks like he would make uh, $20 It's non guaranteed, like you said. So um, who knows if the Clippers decide to bring him back and what that would look like. And then you also have the Plumlee contract. Like he's a free agent, but you already lost Hardenstein last year, and you clearly have shown this season you need a backup center. So do the Clippers try and bring back Plumlee? Like how much is he going to make on the uh, free agent market? That's another one that the Clippers are going to have to uh, decide on. Like, I-, I would bring back Plumlee. I think he's a really good backup to have to Zoo. And I liked what I saw from him. And certainly he had his flaws. But as a regular season center, I think he makes a lot of sense. Do you agree?
1: I certainly think that Plumlee is, is, a, great, is a great guy to bring back. Um, he's just such a good backup for Zoo. And that is always going to be really important. I don't really see how, on the kind of money that Plumlee would require, how exactly you would find a guy like that elsewhere. So he seems to fit from day one. Um, he does have his his lapses and he's not really a defensive stalwart as we all found out and probably knew beforehand. But yeah, I would certainly want to bring Plumlee back. EG uh, is kind of another story. I don't know exactly what it would cost to bring Eric Gordon back, but unless it's not much as much as I, and as much as I love EG Eric Gordon, he's 35. He didn't really show much to me in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and I just, I I think the Clippers can, can turn their, their desires else.
0: Yeah, I agree. And then you can turn the page and move on and see, uh, see what else is out there and try and make a trade and see what, what comes up. Um, so, I mean, we've hit on Plumlee. We've hit on Bones Highland and Westbrook and um, Gordon. And those are the guys that obviously are the new pieces that were acquired and what we look like next year. And we talked about those other guys. So um, I guess I want to close up with this one. And obviously, we're going to talk about all this stuff even more throughout the off season because really there's not a whole lot to discuss um, throughout the next couple of months. But uh, I want to ask you this question. How are you going to remember this season?
1: How am I going to remember this season? Well, there's sort of two avenues. This season is a little, a little special for me because Brandon and I started, I guess I started co-hosting this podcast with you. True. So, this is unequivoc- this is unequivocally one of my favorite Clipper seasons, for that reason alone. But the on the court stuff and my eyeballs and sitting down and watching it, I'm going to remember this season. As and I know, Plashke said what now? But I'm gonna remember this season just as a big what if. And this is this is sort of the season where there's because of course the the guys there were injuries. Anything could have happened if they were healthy. But the way that the injuries were handled, the way that stuff was was presented to the public and to the media, this might this might be the season that I leave distrusting this team maybe more than I more than I ever have and from from the top down to the bottom from the players not knowing that Kawhi is not playing the second half to to T. Lou saying he doesn't know what to do with parents man to the front office not disclosing that Paul George's injury was at least six weeks to not telling us about Kawhi's knee until after the series is over even though they may claim that was gamesmanship I don't believe so so I look at this season very fondly because of this podcast, because of some of, because of being proven dead wrong about Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. I remember this as a as as the Westbrook season. I remember it for a lot of things, but as far as the organization as a whole is concerned, it leaves me with a lot of questions, a lot of concerns. And I'm hoping the things that Lawrence Frank said about the regular season about owing it to the fans, about T. Lou coming back and, you know, learning from, th- from this year and coming back maybe reinvigorated, re-energized. I hope to come back the same way, reinvigorated and, re- and re-energized, and it'll take some time. But this was an odd season, and even though it was so odd, it's odd because it was just so typical of the Clippers. And I'm hoping things change. Because, I, like I said, I, I'm left with a sweet taste in my mouth from this pod interacting with so many other Clippers fans. And I'm reminded just how just how great the Clippers fan base is, how loyal, how knowledgeable. People are teaching me things all the time, be it on Twitter or just through text, you know, just through talking to you, listening to you with, with wonderful guests on. But, damn, they were shady. Uh, as far as information once again is concerned. And it's getting old. So I remember this is a roller coaster of emotions as far as the season goes.
0: Really well put. Um, I thought you brought up a lot of good things there. Uh, First off, it's been a pleasure having you on this podcast. And for the people that have listened over the last couple of years, you know that there'll be lulls at times where I won't record for a couple of weeks. And Part of that is due to just you know it's uh, going and talking to yourself is not easy, and I did a couple of times and um, in the past, and you did a couple of times this year, and it, it's not easy to go and sit and talk for twenty to thirty minutes and get that motivation. But it's a lot easier to be motivated when you've got someone that you can just hit up on text and say, let's do a pod. And that's what I was able to do this year with you. So it was awesome to have you. And when I don't have that, then it's harder to get those guests and to try and continue to get those guests to try and fit the schedule because they're busy and I'm busy. And, you know, it's like our one of those things where, all right, all right, what am I going to do? But in this case, we had a set couple of days that we would record and we made it work. And so I'm really glad to have you along this year. Um, You were awesome. And so big thank you to you. I I thought you were great the entire season. And so um, on that side of things, I I agree, man, it it really was awesome. And we continue to grow this podcast. And for people that are listening, I mean, this is one of the most listened to podcasts on the Sports Ethos Podcast Network. Um, I I think it's in the top three uh, of what is listened, if not even higher um, if you take away those podcasts that guys like Dan obviously are doing, um, when it comes to team podcasts, we're right up there. And so we, uh, we don't take that lightly in terms of the, the, the fans that are listening to this and um, tuning in and reaching out via Twitter or um, reviewing it on iTunes or giving us those ratings. It's always great. And so we don't take it lightly. We appreciate everybody that's been along for the ride as we continue to grow this podcast. Now, talking about the actual play, Um, I like the way you put this um, as the Russell Russell Westbrook season, because I think it summarizes this season really well because it showed the chaoticness and the lack of a actual destination that it seemed like the Clippers had. And they just didn't know who was going to be in the rotation night to night. And you throw in a guy like Russell Westbrook and that's pure chaos. And so that describes this season as just completely chaotic where, The Clippers decide to bring in a guy like Russell Westbrook um, after the All-Star break with only like 20 games to go. And they say, all right, try and figure this out now, Ty Lue, after he'd gone through an entire season of, like you said, there were nights where team man, he didn't even know what his role was. And Lawrence Frank addressed that today, and he brought that up specifically. And he's like, I thought that was fine because, you know, he's a Swiss Army knife. And so he really does a whole lot of different stuff. And guess what? That wasn't fine. That was a terrible comment to make. And it showed that they just didn't know how to use Tai Liu. And that, I mean, use T Man. And that was part of the problem this season. So I think the Russell Westbrook season is a perfect way to look at it because it shows the chaoticness and the just, there was really nothing to hang your hat on. And once again, it's another season where the Stars get injured. And this is now four postseasons in a row. The Clippers have not had their guys. I mean, they've not had PG and Kawhi all the way to the end. And it's been disappointing and it's getting old. And like you said, the lack of visibility with injuries has been frustrating. And you hit it on the, hit the nail on the head with the fact that they knew after game two he tore his meniscus and they still labeled it as a sprained knee. And Ty Lue was asked, could he come back? And he said, we're not going to rule that out. I mean, yes, it was ruled out. He tore his meniscus. Like, what a stupid thing that he had to come out and say because the Clippers weren't transparent. And that's not his fault, but that's what he's probably told to say. And then with Paul George, all of a sudden it's ruled a six-week injury when we were never told that at the start. It really was a week-to-week type thing that we were told, and that just – Goes back to Kawhi getting hurt and tearing his ACL and no one knew about it. Like it's so typical of the Clippers that the day after they get eliminated, Shams goes and tweets that uh, Kawhi had a torn meniscus. Like, so typical of the Clippers for that to happen where the actual injury comes after the season because the Clippers are trying to be sneaky with and, and not showing what not showing their cards. And it's frustrating. And I think that's another way to describe this season is frustrating. Because we came into this year thinking that this was a title contender. And this was a team that was being picked to win it all. I mean, you look at guys like Zach Lowe, who are really big hoops minds. And they're really big uh, writers. And they picked the Clippers to win it all or to go to the NBA Finals. And this was a year that really we had high aspirations. And then the Clippers just let us down. And they did not perform well. I mean, you look at their record, Matt. I mean, goodness gracious, 44 and 38. They won more games with Kawhi sitting out the entire season. Like, it just was a complete disaster, a train wreck of a season. And frankly, I'm going to always remember it is that they did not meet the expectations. And it really was a poor season to watch. I did not enjoy watching this team this season. I thought it was just really uninspiring. And like I said at the beginning, chaotic. And it was not fun to watch this season at all. And I think you made it. You made the point. It was a Russell Westbrook season. Hopefully, this is. This is the worst, and the clippers can turn the page next year because God man, I don't know if I can continue to watch this team and be disappointed like this and come on this podcast and be disappointed even after wins like that that was part of the thing that was such a disappointment this year is that we couldn't even excel or we couldn't even celebrate the wins because there was always a problem to discuss. so that's how I'll remember it.
1: you, you put that you put that perfectly. The Russell Westbrook season, yep. And it's so crazy to be disappointed after wins, and it's hard to deal with. It was it was frustrating. We we from time after time we referred to the season as exhausting, and I think it was that very exhausting, the highs and the lows. But one thing I one thing I did learn, or one thing I did remember, is I'll be back next season. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to remain a huge Clippers fan. That's just, that's just who I am. It's ingrained in me. I think uh, I tweeted this out. It's like the, it's like Michael Scott once said, no doubt about it. I'm ready to be hurt again.
0: Yep. And you will be back. I will be back. One person that we know that will not be back. um, is going to be one of our next guests. And that is Noah Eagle, the radio voice of the Los Angeles Clippers that has called his final game for the Clippers before he moves on to his new role with NBC and I've been chatting with him the last couple of weeks to try and get him back on the podcast. And it looks like um, next week is not going to be um, a chance for him to come on. And so the week after, I think, is what we're going to aim for. So hopefully we may have a podcast next week. We're going to take a little bit of a break because we, we've been trying to crank out a couple of podcasts per week. And so Matt and I have our respective wives that we got to spend some time with. So it's very possible the next podcast that I've got for you is is my conversation with Noah Eagle Um, to look back on his time with the Clippers and his favorite memories, talk about his new job with NBC, and we'll get into all that. So uh, it should be really fun. Uh, um, I'm expecting that we'll have some more fun guests throughout the uh, offseason as well. So Matt, at Matt, Matt Award on Twitter, at BDMarcus for myself, and of course at Ethos Clippers is where you can find the podcast. I've said it a ton of times, I'll say it again. Big thank you to everybody who has continued to support this podcast really do appreciate every single one of you for joining us this entire season. That certainly had its ups and downs, and uh, the Clippers fought until the end, but they're ended up, ended up getting bounced in round one. And we'll see what next year holds. But it's it's been a fun ride, Matt. Any final words?
1: Just thank you. I got to echo your thoughts. Thank you to Clipper Nation, Sports Ethos, Clipper Nation, and Clipper Nation at large for listening for interacting on Twitter for just for everything. And thank you to you, Brandon, again, thank you to sports ethos for having me. And I mean, I mean this in the most non Kyrie Irving way, but if you'll have me, I'll be here.
0: (laughs) And that is the way we are going to go out. So for my buddy, Matt, I am Brandon. And for the final time in the 2022, 2023 season, go clips lips.